2: the Never Had It So Good Sports Talk Radio, I'm excited about tonight. we got a full night, 6.30 here. we got Morehouse head coach um, of football with us, Gerald, Ger- Gerard Wilcher. I am just really messing that up, and I can talk, listeners. Gerard Wilcher, he'll be with us in just a moment. My co-host, the legend, Duck Riley. I've been talking about all day. I even put in the thread, Duck, I love Duck. That's the post. Ain't nobody comment, Duck. Nobody said a word. About that, duck.
1: Hey, hey, princess! They know the deal. They know you're being petty today with that with that
2: Florida <laughs> stuff. Look, duck! It was took everything I had not to go ahead and post that he's coming based off of my information. I wait until <laughs> I waited until they uh, announced it. But a Spelman grad, it is always good to get a Morehouse man on the radio, duck. So I'm excited about tonight. Coach Wilcher, how are you, sir?
0: I'm doing great. I'm doing great. How are you guys
2: doing this evening?
1: <laughs> oh man. We got the we got the we got the man on here, Princess.
2: And on. Got the man on. I wanna talk for sure. Just go ahead and get started with Coach and I'll come in at okay. the end.
1: Okay. Coach Wilcher, okay. Kinda of tell tell us how it got started, you know. What made you go into coaching?
0: Well, i tell you what. uh, When I was at Morehouse, I was a finance major. And, uh, you know, Morehouse is a pretty difficult school, so I took a lot of PE minors. So I like to consider myself the original sports management major from uh, uh, from Morehouse. So that's kind of how it started. But a a good friend of mine, I think you knew him, Brian Bussard. I played for Brian uh, probably his second year coaching. It was my last season. He's the one that talked me into coaching, and I'll be honest. I told myself I'm gonna give you one season. If you don't like it, I was gonna go in the service. I was gonna go in the Marines and be a lawyer. Uh, and I loved it, and I've never looked back. And I've never really gone to work. I just go coach ball. That's not work.
1: Okay, yeah, and you know, and I don't know if everybody. I know for some of the listeners that are listening. You know, uh, Rashad was a great guy, man. Uh, you know. Uh, hey rest yeah. in peace, bro. Yeah. Yeah. Bo
0: Bo Brian Basar, he's one of the best. I mean, like, uh just enjoyed him. Even when I made a switch, you know, I and when I was at the University of Massachusetts, I was a holdover coach. They moved me from outside linebackers to wide receivers and Brassard was one of the two guys I went to go talk to. The other guy was actually the legendary Billy White Shoes Johnson. So those are the two guys that really <laughs> helped me become a, a good wide receivers coach.
1: Okay, yeah. How how was it, uh, Brian? When you when you started with Bo, uh, what what were you coaching with him?
0: Well, what happened was uh, it was actually ninety one season. Bo was my position coach in the secondary okay. of Morehouse. So we we won the last SIEC championship that Morehouse has been a part of was nineteen ninety one and Bo was coaching on that team. And then Bo left. I think he left for more money and went to Westchester, Delaware, somewhere. You know how we do as coaches. We just start bouncing and bouncing <laughs> and bouncing. Um, but like I say, I think at the time when I was coming uh becoming the wide receiver coach at UMass, he was probably out in Wyoming. And, you know, we talked extensively and then I got on the plane and then I came to Atlanta. Uh, to spend time with Billy Weiss Shoes Johnson to learn wide receiver play, went back, put it together, and I, I would like to think I was a big part of our 1998 uh, FCS national championship team at UMass. So, you know, it all
1: kind of works out. Okay, uh, you know, for for the listeners out there, especially you know guys that, you know aspiring to be coaches and stuff, you know, how was it when you interview? And knowing that you were special, I don't know if you can call it specializing in one position, but they have a tendency, and you could touch upon it, to move you around. So how, how was that experience?
0: Um, I mean, it was a great experience. So, like, when I played defensive back in college when I first started, my first job was coaching running backs. So I had to learn running backs. <laughs> I did that for two years, and then I flipped back to the secondary. I go to Boston College. I'm in the secondary, get to UMass, I'm coaching outside linebackers, and all of a sudden I got to go learn how to play, coach wide receivers. So um, there's really two parts to it, one being as a young coach, you cannot pigeon your, pigeonhole yourself into a position because if you do, you won't have a job, quite honestly, because, you know, everybody can find another running back coach or wide receiver coach or what have you. So, you know, you got to have some flexibility on your resume Um, so you can always stay gainfully employed. And I've been very fortunate for the last 30 years to stay gainfully employed uh, because I have flexibility. There's nothing to me that I can't coach, especially if they stand on two feet. Now, if they put their hand in the dirt, that may be something a little different, but if they they on two feet, I can coach them.
1: Okay, yeah. And and you talk about pigeonhole. It seems like a lot of times we are – you know, when they're looking for a position and they're trying to make room or uh, when they have an OC, they, they always kind of are uh, tight in. is the position you seem like people get get put in.
0: Yeah, you know, as, as a uh, young black coach, especially late 90s, early 2000s, right, like when I was at UMass coaching receivers, we, we're winning national championships, and I'm the wide receiver coach. But I quickly learned that I was never going to be the quarterback coach. And, I, and at that time, there really weren't many black offensive coordinators. So if right. I wanted to be a coordinator, I had to go back to defense. So I left there, went to Cornell, went back to defense because I knew I would become a coordinator faster. And two years after I left Cornell, I was a defensive, I became the defensive coordinator at Lehigh. So it kind of paid off. You know, now there's a lot of black coordinators But at that time, there were not that many. So, um, you know, it it can become pretty tough. And then also, too, another point to the pigeonhole, that's why most of my young career, I refused to be known or take jobs as corner coaches because in my mind, corner coaches never had any say-so in the room, and they were never really allowed to become coordinators. That's why I always coached either the whole secondary or the safety. Because safety coaches be, get to become defensive coordinators. Coaches usually don't. So I wanted to be a coordinator, so I I kept myself as either coaching the whole secondary or safety so I could reach my goal of becoming a coordinator.
1: Okay. You became a coordinator. What did you take? Who was uh, kind of inspiration uh, uh, inspiration for you uh that you said, oh, wow, you know, this guy's pretty good. I, I'm, I need to take this from this guy, this from that guy. So who were who some of the guys that you worked with that you, you maybe took, uh, not that philosophy, but some of that philosophy? Well, I would say probably
0: my three biggest, uh, philosoph- three biggest influences on defense were, number one, uh, probably Phil Elmation. Uh, Phil was a long-time coach, Virginia Tech, Boston College, Syracuse. He went all over the world. But he was right. a big eight-man front guy. So there was a lot of things I learned. I learned the eight-man front from him. I learned bear defense uh, and some four-two-five stuff from him. And then Shannon Morrison, you know, taught me a lot about how to coordinate, how to deal with staffing, things like that. Shannon's now at Marshall University coaching, I think, linebackers and secondary and then Dave Katoski, who's since retired, he was a big three-four guy. So now I had the four-two-five, the four-four, the eight-man front guy, and then I learned the three-four stuff. So at some point we put it all together where we could be flexible, and we were kind of on the forefront of going uh, at Lehigh from the three-four to the four-two-five to the bare front and being able to move and stem. And we played with that, and I think you will see our record, you know, from about 2009, 10 through 13. We were pretty stingy on
1: defense. Okay. You know, and dealing with all of these coaches that you worked with and worked under, who was it that you worked with now that's probably was kind of ahead of his time and finally got his shot?
0: Um, you know what? My current defensive coordinator, Charles Alexander, Uh, we worked together at Lehigh, young coach. He went on, coached a couple of different places, went in junior college ball, had to go to NAIA ball to become a defensive coordinator. Was in NAIA NAIA the last couple of years and was pretty successful uh, as a defensive coordinator. was like an NAIA coach of the year on defense, and now he's my defensive coordinator. And I feel like I'm stealing because he's done a tremendous job but a lot of people would not give him a chance to get out of NAIA ball to coach NCAA ball because, you know, sigmatism. Oh, you're an NAIA coach, you know. <laughs> like people used to say, oh, you're an HBCU coach. And right. I'm like, only thing I care about is the football is oblong and he stops people. So that works
1: for me. Okay, yeah. I see you brought along Stan Clayton, but – that, that's a that's a that's for a different show. But anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, you know it's great you know to kind of hear what you're talking about. But now I, I want to know how you worked your way into being a head coach. How did this you know take place? And and I know you were working towards it, but what were some of the maybe some of the stumbling blocks in your path?
0: um access knowing the right people when you go to a school like a morehouse um and there's not a lot of people out of head of you coaching at the higher levels it's hard to move around you know as much as this business is about what you know it's about who you know and there's plenty of people who have passed me in my career or moved a lot faster because they played at bigger schools or there were a lot of people from their school in the profession coaching. So they always had people to help them along, to get them to different places. And as I came along the last 30 years, I can honestly say that there was nobody ahead of me from Morehouse that reached back and said, hey, man, you coach and you're doing a great job. I'm coaching over here at this school. I'm at this university. I'm going to help you out. That has never happened for me. So I've kind of been self-made to a certain degree. Um, You know, I've had plenty of help along the way, but nobody from Morehouse was out there again before me to help me. So, and, and there's nobody, when that happens, there's really nobody out there to help you necessarily navigate some of the pitfalls or some of the moves or some of the things, you know, Uh, tell you what's a good job, what's a bad job. You know, fortunately, good mentor of mine, I think you know him, Chico Williams, he's not in the business anymore. He was really good about helping me. He's the one that when I left Morehouse and went to Cheney for spring practice, I came to him, you know, you think you know your worth, I came to him with a deal. I said, look, if you make me the OC, I won't leave and go be a GA at Boston College. And he (laughs) told me no. He said, Wiltshire, everybody don't get that opportunity to go to places like Boston College. You need to go do that. We'll be here at Cheney. Don't worry about us. And I was like, (laughs) that? You know, kind of hurt your mind, but I understood understood what he was doing. You know, I had the chance to get on the big stage, and he wanted me to take that opportunity. So I did that. But, uh, you know, there's just not always a lot of people out there um, sometimes. So I've kind of self-navigated. I've tried to help guys that have come behind me. But out in front, you know, that's that's kind of tough when you really don't have a true mentor or somebody to reach back.
1: Okay. Now, you know, I see like back in the day when we first started off coaching, most of the coaches didn't have agents. But like now, majority of them have agents. How how important is the agent involvement with you know the NCAA of uh, being able to get your foot in the door um i think it's a partnership between you and your agent and i think
0: that's where a lot of guys make mistakes they hire agents and then do nothing cuz they expect their agent to do everything um that was one thing my agent explained to me very early on is like look this is a partnership some jobs she's going to find some jobs i'm going to find but we have to work this from two different angles because you never know who can connect the dots and how we can connect the dots together. So I understood that. Um, but a lot of people, they don't understand that. They just sit back and wait for their agent. Oh, my agent got to get me a job instead of saying, no, we need to work together to get the next job. And to be honest with you, I I probably started a war. I don't know what year it was, 2007, <laughs> 2008. I was at a, a, a BTA meeting. And it was some guys up there who had agents. And, you know, at that time, nobody really had agents. And I asked the question. I said, "Who was when we should get agents, and I don't know what else I said. And you would have thought I had four heads for asking about agents. But I I was like, if somebody don't tell us, how do we find out? Why are you all keeping it a secret? And really, I didn't have an agent until 2014 right when i was i was at lehigh uh my last two years as coordinator we go 10 and one eight and three and they fired me after eight and three seasons and they fired me like january 3rd with the understanding that hey look we gave you enough time to go to the convention and get a job Hmm. and i was like dude jobs are done by then what are you doing um i was like y'all wanted to fire me why don't you fire me in november after the season but they waited to gain They waited like two months to fire me, probably because I was one of the top recruiters and they wanted my recruits, but fired me late. So then I had to go get an agent. And, you know, I went and got Alexis. You know Alexis? Alexis Cobb. he has
1: it, um, been on the show. Yes.
0: So that's my agent. We've been together, I guess, for almost 10 years now. And the reason I chose her was because I was the one running Pro Day. And everybody wanted to come to my pro day at Lehigh. And she was one of the few agents who I met at that time. And no offense to any agent, but she's one of the few agents I met that I could have a conversation with. And I didn't feel like I need to go get like, uh, take a shower or get hosed down after the conversation. She was, she was not slimy. She was real. And I know a lot of guys have trouble with black female agents, but, you know, I was raised by a single black female, so I understand the language they speak. You okay. Know? And sometimes black women can be a little harsh, but, you know, as black male, if you're raised by a single black female, your mama done been harsh to you a couple of times. <laughs> so, so you'll be okay. All right.
1: All right. Uh, I want, before I bring Prince's in, uh, cause we're, I want to talk about camps. And and for some of the moms and some of the young men that's listening, why would a camp benefit them? Why 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 should they come to Morehouse to a camp? Well, first of all,
0: um, you're going to get coached at our camps. I don't run mega camps, right? I cap my camps at 300 um, just for safety and things like that, but my goal is, If you're going to be with me two, three hours, I want every single camper to leave and say, man, them Morehouse cats, they coach me. I learned something today, right? Yeah, we're going to do the testing and get the numbers and all that stuff, and that's great, and we're going to have competition. But part of camp is to learn. And how do you get better if nobody ever teaches, right? So I want my camps, they're going to be, uh we're going to be hands on and I want my guys to be able to leave and tell their parents I learned something today. Right? Cuz I can't I had a son that played division 1 football, played at Delaware State. We used to go to camps, all these camps be money makers. I'd be like, "How many kids?" It'd be like, "1200 kids." They're like, "Yeah, tell your son to come, come compete." I was like, "With 1200, you won't even notice them." <laughs> right? So, come on, man, don't do that. So we're going to have camp, and like I say, my camp's are capped. I've invited a bunch of different schools, Ivy League, Patriot League, Service Academies, other schools to attend camp um, because, you know, here at Morehouse we're a little bit higher academically. So I'm trying to stay somewhat in that realm, but they're open to everybody. Um, and we'll have some other schools attend. Uh, but that's just kind of the focus I wanted to have um, with camp. So I have three camps. June 9th and June 16th are wide-open camps with, you know, the people I mentioned before coming to camp. And then June 13th is a a collaboration between myself and Deion Sanders on the camp. And, uh, you know, that will be probably a little bit more five-star-ish, I would imagine. But, again, I capped that camp too uh, because, again, I want people to get coached. I'm not into meat markets. I don't do meat markets. Right. I wanna I wanna you know, I wanna be able to truly evaluate every single kid that steps foot on my campus.
1: has there been a great response knowing that uh Dion is gonna be one of the ones uh coming to your camp to uh uh sharing the camp with you? Um, you
0: know, I launched the camp probably um I knew about it, I sat on it. It just so happened, me and Dion spring games were April twenty second, so I launched it like that Sunday after the spring games, right, because especially here at Morehouse, we don't have a
1: huge
0: uh, sports information department, and I wanted to make sure that messages don't get overlapped, so I set on it a little bit. Um, you know, the, I think the rate for the camp is going pretty good, and I always, you know, we're probably going to have a few walk-ups on camp day, but I expect that camp to sell out, and then, you know, I expect my other two camps to probably get to about hundred. To 150 kids so that's big enough for us
1: and i'll talk to you a little bit out, off air but how, uh again before prices come out give those dates again to the for the listeners out there okay there
0: are three camp dates it is june 9th june 13th and june 16th so two fridays so here's the deal june 9th june 16th you come to atlanta you camp on Friday at Morehouse. We get you a tour of Morehouse. You hang out in Atlanta on Friday night, and then you fly home on Saturday. It's a great day. Everybody wins.
1: Okay. Uh, Precious.
2: Coach Wilshire, I wanted to um, ask several things here, and I'll start with um, how did the collaboration with Dion come about? Have you all been teammates um, or just in the coaching profession um, for quite some time?
0: No, no. Um, you know, I met Dion once when he was a player way back when. People on his staff, he, you know, they somebody from over there knew somebody here at Morehouse. Um, so that's just kind of how it came about. They reached out to us and asked us if we would be interested in doing it. You know, I would have been a fool to say no. Like, yeah, let's do it. And, I, you know, I think it's a win-win. For everybody, you know, we get a, a great caliber student-athlete on campus. Uh, at Morehouse, we get a chance to coach and evaluate them. Uh, Dion, I know that, you know, Atlanta is a major recruiting hub, and everybody wants to have a footprint in Atlanta. And now Prime Time has an opportunity, right? Coach Prime has an opportunity to come back to where he played football and baseball at. In the hosted camp, so I know he wanted to get back in Atlanta for recruiting purposes. So it's just it's a win win for both schools.
2: Coach, talk about the call while you're at Rice to possibly interview and be a head coach for Morehouse, and that feeling of coming back home, um, and, and bringing your family back home to the Atlanta area. Talk about, you know, that moment when you knew you were coming back and getting the call to to interview.
0: Well, i tell you what, it was, it was, can I say calls with an S? Uh, it was several calls. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we went back and forth. Um, you know, because the last five years I had a great, great job at Rice University, coaching corners. Uh, the defensive coordinator, Brian Smith, played for me at UMass. The D-line coach, Cedric Calhoun, I recruited him. He played for me at Morehouse. So, like, the last five years have been awesome, Um, you know, awesome for my family. My wife got a chance living in Houston to wear flip-flops in December. I mean, it's just (laughs) awesome, you know. And so uh, right about the time they were letting Coach Freeman go, some people reached out to me. And I told them, I was like, look, I don't know if I'm interested at that time because Morehouse season ends, like the first week of November, I had three games left in my season. So I told him, I said, look, I'm interested. I think I'm interested, but I'm not going to talk to you until my season ends. And then, you know, season ended, and then we get a bowl game. For Rice, it was their 13th bowl game in school history. Rice doesn't have a history of going to bowl games, so that was huge. Um, Even though we didn't have a winning record, because we're smart kids at Rice, we we had the APR to go to a bowl game. Um, So don't make a difference how you get to a bowl game. You get there. So then I went through the bowl game process, again, having a couple of side conversations here and there with some people. And right after the bowl game, it really started to heat up that this was going to be a thing. Um, I did a Zoom interview, which I thought went okay. Fortunate enough that it was supposed to have been final two, and they decided to throw me in there to make final three. And I said, "Uh uh-oh, y'all in trouble. Y'all let me come on campus. So I came back to campus and, you know, knocked it out the park and you know, some people said to me, You gotta be careful. You know, pe- we don't want people to think you're arrogant and anybody knows me, no, I'm not arrogant. But this my school. This my stuff. I know this place better than anybody. So, you know, I just use that resource and things like that. And it was exciting and I'll be honest with you, my kids weren't always on board. They was like dad. If they're not going to resource you and take care of you, you're going to kill your career. Don't do it. Because my kids are athletes. They understand the business. And they were adamant about that. My wife, you know, people were like, oh, your wife gets to come back home. My wife from the south side of Chicago, she couldn't care less about Atlanta, <laughs> right? But she was in the same vein that, that she wanted to make sure I was taken care of and they were doing the things that they need to be and and probably the biggest goal for me um is that the president of national alumni association, Jabral Edwards, we're teammates, classmates and teammates. So walking in the door, not only am I an alum, but I have the president of National Alumni Association on my side. So, you know, he played one corner, I played the other corner you know, the two of us, we think we can conquer the world together. So that's what we're here to do.
2: Speaking of knowing the campus, my freshman dorm was Chadwick Hall. What was your freshman dorm, sir?
0: Where was your freshman dorm?
2: Chadwick Hall.
0: Where's Chad? Okay. Anymore. Okay. It was in so, the very back. <laughs> in the very back. Okay. So my freshman dorm was Fair Street Housing. So we're talking about before Purdue Hall was built, there was there was houses that were very projectish uh, on Fair Street, which I think is now called Movement Boulevard, but it'll always be Fair Street to me. And there were four houses, and then was another house where the president's house sits, and uh, called Greenhouse, and that's where the football team lived. So my first three years of school, um, there were. You could have athletic dorms, and then 1990, Oklahoma blew it for everybody, and so after that, there were no more athletic dorms after 1990, and I eventually moved off campus and lived on Beaver Highway.
2: Okay. It was just nice hearing your voice and getting to know you and to see you supplanted at Morehouse College. We've just got a couple minutes left. Um, a shout-out to your wife and all the support. Just give me that. Just talk about how you need a family that supports you as you move throughout and navigate your coaching career.
0: Well, first, I would say that if you're going to be married in this business, there's two types of coaches wise. There's married and divorce, right? <laughs> so you either got to be down with the program from day one. First time I met my wife, we are having a conversation. I'm like, look, I'm a ball coach, just so you know. And I'm going to move around and, you know, so if you're going to be with me, this is what you got to do. And she was like, dude, I just met you. I'm just trying to get a meal. So
2: <laughs>
0: 20, 27 years later, we're still together. But, uh, but no, you, you have your wife has to be a rock star um, because a lot of times, like she says, during football season, she's a single mom. She got to take care of the kids while I take care of somebody else's kids. You know, she's done a tremendous job. All three of my kids are going to be college graduates. Two of them have outstanding jobs. The youngest is finished in college. She's in the Air Force. She's probably going to be an agent or something like that, athletic director. So um, your wife has to be a rock star, and she got to be able to hold it down. But also, too, when she calls you for help, the first thing you can't say is why you calling me, right? If your wife calls you and, like, the kid's (laughs) are acting up, I need help, then you got to go be the hammer, right? It's just what it is. I tell people all the time, I think one reason that we've made it so far is because we're like Batman and Robin. Sometimes I'm Batman, she's Robin. Sometimes she's Batman and I'm Robin. And I'm okay with that. You know what I mean? Like you got to be able to flip roles depending on what you're doing and be all right with it. So um, we understand that. I think we work well together. Um, You know, sometimes I don't take coaching as well as I should from her, but that's okay um, you know, I played corner, we can be a little hard-headed, and she found out because I went to Morehouse. They say that you can tell a Morehouse man, but you can't tell them anything. Since she heard that, she's like, "That's the answer to the test." So, uh, you know, but no, I, I just I think your wife just has to be a rock star and she got to be down for the cause and understand the mission and then when it's time for you to do your thing, you got to be able to do your thing.
2: And congratulations, Coach. We look forward to it, and we will try to get there. Um, I, I definitely want to come more house with Spelman Homecoming, so hopefully I'll see you then.
0: Sounds good. Sounds good.
1: First hot dog on go me. Ahead
2: get... <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. Duck?
1: Uh, hey, I appreciate it. I'll hit you up, man. I might have to, I might have to come down and put my stopwatch to use. Come come on
0: down, man. Come on. You know I, I got room for coaches down here. Come on down. And just so you guys know, we have homecoming October 28th, but October 14th is actually our first home game, and it will be my first home game at Morehouse since 1994. So I'm trying to blow that out, sell out the stadium, make it a whiteout, do it all. We're going to do it big here. So very right. excited
1: that okay we'll promote that i, I might have to get with uh, get with derrick sellers and them and, and do that man
0: let's let's go so all <laughs> right you all thank you
2: thank you that's head football coach from morehouse college and we will get reset here and get the men in for basketball coach Wilcher, have a great week never had it so good sports talk radio we'll get reset and come back